Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Marty Moore. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for C2 Education, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode number 229. How as a finance leader are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Joe Consol, CFO of Exactly, a SaaS software company specializing in incentive compensation. I think the next level now is going to be to, to continue to peel the onion back on the metrics within the organization, continue to develop our unit economic analyses to really get at the cost drivers and revenue drivers at a more minute level so that we can better understand how to drive them going forward. I think that's kind of the next step for us. Listen to our complete interview with Joe after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis. The very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hello, we're speaking with Joe Consul, CFO of Exactly. Joe uh, was a guest during our first season, and he was actually among our first interviews among what we refer to as our SaaS CFO guests or software as a service finance leaders, which as a group we believe is very much impacting the evolution of the finance uh, function today as it makes the customer experience a key area of measurement for finance. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Happy to be with you again today. Last time, we did discuss uh, the different SaaS metrics exactly as finance team keeps a close eye on, recurring revenue, customer acquisition costs, and customer retention. But let's ask uh, this time about the tools uh, that the team is using. And for starters, how many SaaS tools is exactly finance function currently using? Well, you know, when you break it down, Jack, and look at kind of the key uh, audit trail type systems versus the ancillary systems. We probably have, you know, five to seven core uh, cloud-based systems that we rely on, not the least of which is Salesforce as our CRM, uh, Workday as our HCM, and also our financial system, uh, OpenAir from NetSuite, and a variety of others that we use uh, as, as primary systems. And then we probably have a tail of about, you know, 15 or 20 other SaaS applications used throughout the marketing and sales organizations and even the R&D organization to track different aspects of what they're doing on a daily basis. When it comes to cloud-based technologies, what's different about Exactly's finance function? What distinguishes it, let's say, from how finance departments operate in other industries? 
Well, you know, being a SaaS company at our core, we have always been more open and ready to adopt, you know, cloud-based technologies, that kind of natural uh, result, I guess. And I, I, it's, a, it's a two-edged sword. On the one hand, it certainly makes managing our infrastructure a little easier. We don't have to worry about managing the full back end of hardware and, and, and uh, base, database and storage type uh, software on premise. You know, on the other hand, they're so easy to adopt, it may be a little harder to control uh, acquisition and eventual costs uh, that roll up as a result of using a variety of these applications. So, you know, it's, it's good in that we can bring tools to bear very quickly uh, to solve problems, but it's a little bit of a downside in that it's so easy to adopt. You start rolling up costs very quickly that uh, can grow up if you're not keeping an eye on them. All right. Now, since we last spoke, uh, Zachley went public, and undoubtedly each time you learn something from this type of experience, and you've taken, I believe, a number of companies uh, public, uh, Joe. But what well, was the big takeaway this time? Yep. Two, to be precise. But, you know, it's an amazing process. It's an arduous process. Uh, investors are very discerning. Uh, they're very thoughtful. They're very analytical, and they have very – uh, you know, hard questions that you need to answer as you go through the process. But what was the big takeaway this time for you as exactly as finance leader? Having done this a number of times, when you look back years from now, what was the experience exactly going to be remembered for? Yeah, so I guess the experience in this case, the other company I took public was uh, around 1999, and the market was very frothy at that time. And it was kind of a volume-based market. There were so many deals on the street that uh, it really was tough to get attention. On the contrary, uh, this deal was done at a time when the market was starting to slow down. I think we were the last tech IPO to get out at the time. And, and uh, it was very much a quality-driven profit orientation. How quickly can we get this company to a path on profitability rather than just growth at any cost? And I think I'll remember this offering is being centered around that concept. Well, thanks for the recap. And uh, certainly in this company's history, it was a, a historic year. I um, want to touch upon the subject of the workforce with you. It's an area that increasingly our finance leader guests are becoming uh, focused on. And many of them are seeking to perhaps gain greater influence in their organization over much of the decision-making around uh, the workforce. And uh, would like to just begin by asking you, uh, when it comes uh, to Zachley's workforce, what are your goals as, as a finance leader? Well, you hit on, a, on an interesting point and in, in whether finance wants to have more influence. I think finance needs to have more influence, especially in a SaaS company, on the workforce because, you know, in our case, it represents 60 to 70 percent of our total costs. It's a huge piece of the investment that we make day to day, and we need to generate as much, you know, not only productivity but but uh, productivity and great results out of that team to get the right ROI out of out of the company. So that said, I mean, the goal is pretty simple. It's to get the right place, the right people in place at the right time to achieve our growth plan. And from a finance perspective, that means providing funding for, for hiring, setting up performance measures to evaluate the hires after they're on board, 
and, and probably most importantly, setting up compensation systems and plans, you know, to reward and retain the people you work so hard to hire in the first place. What metrics are you looking at? What are you paying attention to to make sure all of that's happening? Well, you know, we're, we're probably not doing anything extremely different from most, uh, you know, SaaS-type companies. We use a variety of metrics when evaluating the workforce. Standard things such as, you know, performance against specific objectives down at the contributor level, uh, sales performance against quotas and sales plans, employee retention rates, and compensation uh, metrics including, you know, average OTE, uh, average salary, retention rates, all those types of things. Uh, you know, fortunately, given the kind of company we are, we, we're using one of our own applications called Exactly Objectives, you know, to align employee performance across the company uh, toward the top-level corporate objectives. It's a great tool, and, and companies need to, to have some way of aligning behavior uh, with objectives of the company. That's the way we've chosen to do it. And it provides us with a view across the company of how our employees are performing against their objectives, um, not only by group but on a roll-up basis. And, and we get a view in terms of how our incentive plan is actually helping achieve the goals that we want as a company. So we've heard this expression, performance culture, from a number of the uh, finance leaders we've been speaking to. And to be honest, they use it differently. It, it seems like... Um, it's a catchphrase that means different things to different people. What does it mean to you? Well, when I hear the term performance culture, I think what that means to me is that the compensation and reward systems deployed by a company are consistent with and support the overall objectives and goals of the company. You know, that is, people get rewarded for performance that's in line with the overall goals of the company. Pretty simple concept. But I think that's what really separates performance culture from any other type of, of culture. And, you know, exactly is all about incentives and how to align incentives to drive desired behavior. But I guess that, by definition, makes us a performance culture type of company. So here's a question we're going to begin asking uh, our finance leaders regularly um, as they uh, try to get more on top of workforce issues. What makes a great hire? That's a tough one. Um, I think a great hire means not only finding a bright person with the right skill set for the job, but one who can achieve results within the context of company culture. And we've just talked about culture a little bit. But we find that our best employees are always those that are the best culture fit within the company. So in the recruiting process, we not only screen for technical skills and communication skills, ability to problem solve, just like everybody else, but also for a very tight cultural alignment with core principles. You know, if people come to work here, and even though they may be trying to do the right thing by the customer or the right thing by their fellow staff, if they're doing it in a way that doesn't foster their own accountability or that doesn't help the, you know, the benevolent side of the company and, and kind of fit in with the overall way that we're trying to run the company, we find that those types of people will churn out and, and uh, not really get to be a long-term contributor for the company. One of the things we, we talked about with you, uh, with you last time was how you sort of established uh, the FP&A function or you, you reestablished it or made it more robust. 
Um, any updates there? I mean, are you put this in place and, and has it continued to evolve? Obviously, the company went public. You needed to have it pretty, pretty energized. But what could you tell us? What's the next evolutionary chapter for your, your efforts there? Well, you know, we've continued to build out that team. And I will say that finding the right leader for that team was very important. And we were fortunate to have found that type of person. Um, and I think we've done a pretty decent job at it. I mean, we've, we've come out of the gate as a public company and achieved our consensus measures all four quarters and, and raised guidance as a result. So I think we've got a reasonable start at building that org. I think the next level now is going to be to, to continue to peel the onion back on the metrics within the organization, continue to develop our unit economic analyses, to really get at the cost drivers and revenue drivers at a more minute level so that we can better understand how to drive them going forward. I think that's kind of the next step for us. One of the questions that sometimes gives our guests uh, some pause is when we ask them what role uh, CFOs have in corporate culture. What uh, would you tell us? What is the role of finance leadership when it comes to corporate culture? You know, it's always tough to speculate about what it means to other people and how important it should be to them. But what I can say, again, is going back to the point that software companies are really people-driven companies. The assets are on two feet and walking around every day and represent the vast majority of the expense that we have to deploy in a company. And given that, I think it only makes sense for a finance leader as well as other C-suite members to all be influential and part of the culture of the company because it's that culture that will bind the teams, have them work more effectively, and better able to achieve the overall objectives of the company if they buy into the vision and the culture. And that just means better retention over time, possibly the ability to retain people with slightly lower compensation levels because they're happier in general and people don't work just for money anyway, and better results for the company. I, I just don't know how you separate the two, especially in a software company. Um, I have some classic questions for you uh, that I, I love to ask. You answered this one last time, but it's worth asking you again. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a great answer last time, <laughs> but I, I'd love to hear it again. Hopefully I won't disappoint you. <laughs> no, no, never do, never do. Uh, what's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business right now? Yeah, I, I, I really think it's no doubt the explosion of being able to apply to apply a lot of different empirical data, big data type analytics to decision-making, and uh, I think you're seeing that explode across the map. I think that's going to continue to to grow very quickly, and it's, it's you know, just due to the advances in technology that allow it to happen. You know, for example, uh, we've applied data mining techniques to comp plan data gathered from thousands of comp plans and billions of compensation calculations to derive benchmarks and insights to help our customers design more effective comp plans. That, that is an ROI story built out of being able to apply big data type analytics and information to solve business problems that I think is, is, is so far different than the ability was even 10 years ago. 
Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. What are your finance leader priorities over the next 12 months? I think if you ask our investors and, and people that have bought exactly stocks since the IPO, it's, it's pretty clear, and their priorities are my priorities, so to speak, that we continue to deliver on not only our expectations, but being able to grow the company and further penetrate the $7 billion market opportunity we have in front of us, and, and in the near term, achieve positive cash flow from operations in the fourth quarter of this year. Those are key focal points for, for me as an organization. There are, of course, secondary goals and objectives that we have, but those two by far are the most important in the next 12 months. Joe Consul, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. My pleasure, Jack, and uh, continued good luck. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's Listener's Choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends, we just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening.